You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Come on. We have a lot to praise God about. Thank you, guys. Come on. Let's thank him for Roe versus Wade being defeated. Yeah. God, you have got a life. We celebrate you. Praise God. Man, is God good or what? You know, in the midst of darkness, people think, well, it's over. This is happening. This is happening. God is moving. He's always shining his light. And man, they said for all these years that it was to be impossible for Roe versus Wade to be defeated. And, uh, and for those uh, out there um, listening uh, to what I have to say this morning, not for good reasons. Those who have good reasons, thank you, welcome. Those who have bad reasons, listen to the whole message. Maybe you'll get right with God, and I mean that sincerely. But, uh, but listen, it didn't outlaw abortion. It just put it back to the states to decide, to our legislative bodies and the people to decide what kind of state they want to have. It didn't, it didn't make abortion illegal. It just said it's not a constitutional right. And it's not. It's not written anywhere in the Constitution. And so, man, it's a great day. Man, I've had a smile on my heart and my face ever since Friday, really Thursday night, because some of my pastors in in California and around, Charlie Kirk and some of these other guys texted me on Thursday and said, hey, Fox News is asking us for comments in the morning, so they knew it was going to come out in advance, and so they gave all of us an advance warning, and man, it's just a celebration. I have a pastor friend in Chicago. Him and his church went downtown Chicago, hundreds of them, with drums, and they were celebrating and cheering and celebrating Jesus, and that's the kind of celebration we need to have. And so, you know, but we have work to do, church. We have work to do. I did a podcast with Lucilena and Renee Lucent is the director of the Pregnancy Resource Center, and Renee uh, is an uh, uh, employee there and also ministering through Surrender the Sweet Secret, where we minister to women who've had abortions and men now. We have a men's uh, ministry that they have created. Uh, her and Marco have created, and it's going to be awesome. So if you're a man that's participated in that or experienced having, uh, uh, you know, taking someone to get an abortion or whatever you did, if you were involved in that in any way, man, there's healing for you too. Amen. And there's healing for our women that have gone through that. Man, God's a forgiver. If you ask him for mercy, he said, I'll give you mercy. And so he does that for all of us. And so there's ministry there. And man, they talked about, Lucilena talked about all the organizations we are connected with at the Pregnancy Resource Center from getting health insurance to getting your high school diploma to getting a college education, not finding a job, but finding a career, a career that will support you and your children, adoption, all these other options. We're not the church that says, God bless you, keep your baby, see you later. We're the church that says, keep your baby, God bless you for keeping your child, and we're gonna help you any way we can to parent, to, to learn how to be a parent, to keep that child from, from the basic necessities, from diapers to formula to car seats, all the way to getting you a career. We're going to help you any way we can, and we're connected to organizations that call us, even government organizations that contact us and say, we want to work with you, and they send people to us to work with them, and so, guys, man, God is available, and we're available to help, and so we're not, we're not those who just say, have your baby and move on. We're actually helping and making a difference, and we want to continue to do that, and we know in our state. Uh, uh, Lucilena during our podcast for about 45 minutes already got two or three phone calls from Texas. Texas, are they're calling over here and traveling across the border so they can abort their children in New Mexico. We still have a lot of work to do in our state. Amen? We have a lot of work to do. But I want to salute all the prayer warriors, all the people who prayed, all the people who stood and marched, all the people who supported pregnancy resource centers, and all of you who voted, voted According to the word, not according to your party, but according to your, the word, and that we have an opportunity now that right now 26 states are geared up to limit or abolish abortion in their state. We are the pro-life movement, not the pro-death movement. Come on now. <laughs> We're the pro-healing movement. 
that we want, we want to see people healed from the scars and wounds. You know, I want to, I want to address just a couple lies. Number one, the President of the United States said that uh, we're going to be an anomaly, a pariah to all the nations around the world. I, I challenge you, Google French's abortion laws, Germany's. They have a limit, 15 weeks, 12 weeks. We're not an anomaly. We were an anomaly the other way. The only people that had this type of abortion on demand that we have are like China, North Korea, all these authoritarian governments. The Western world, we have some of the worst abortion laws in the, uh, other than Japan uh, out of any of Western Europe. Even they have limits. And so don't let them lie to you. And then people are saying, women are going to die. We've looked the stats up. 861 women died from complications from pregnancy. Okay? 861 women. Out of all the babies that were born, 861 died from complications from having a, a pregnancy and birthing a child. 66,000 died from complications from abortion. Yet they're saying women are going to die. Women already dying by the thousands more. Not having their baby as opposed to having their baby. Listen, don't listen to the lies. Then they bring up rape, incest in uh, the life of the mom. You know what? I'm willing to have that discussion. But 98%, that's less than 2% of all abortions are involved. That's involved. Less than 2%. Now they're turning on our special needs kids. Donna Billington said, who, who, uh, whose daughter's Crystal has special needs, she said, please pray for the special needs children. Why? Because they're targeting them now. Our governor talked about it. I talked to the mayor. He talked about it. And they're talking about it now that every special needs child needs to be aborted. That's what they're, they're a culture of death. And that it's, it's a detriment to families. Anna Navarro got on CNN and had an argument with another liberal person over special needs kids. That she, the other woman, had a special needs child too and said, how dare you say special needs kids need to be all killed? That's their culture. They have a culture of death. There's no reasoning with death. Now they're attacking Christianity openly. It's the Christians. They're the problem. No, the Christians, we're the solution to the problem. But we all have to get involved, put our money where our mouth is, our time where our mouth is, and say, hey, we're not just pro-life. We're pro-life, and we're going to help you. We're going to be a blessing to you. We need to be a blessing. We need to be actively involved. And we've, we've run our Pregnancy Resource Center for over 20 years. It's been actively involved in saving babies and helping mamas and helping people and helping our young people. Our youngest client was 13 years old. And you know what? She's doing awesome. She's entering high school. She's had her baby. Her parents are helping her. She's still going to school. Her life hasn't been devastated. Gosh, when did we become a culture where we would say it's devastating to have a baby? And that if you have a special needs kids, your life is over. Is it tough? Is it tough raising kids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, there's going to be some trouble, some difficulty, some trouble. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Double yeah. Triple yeah. A hundred yes. And the parents that, that deal with special needs kids in our church, man, I salute them. It's, there's, there's more difficulties that come with that, but there's tons of help for that too. In times past, there wasn't a lot of help, but there's a lot of help now. God is moving, and we should be pushing that kind of legislation. Man, we should be, I want our tax dollars to go help the elderly and our children. Help those who can't help others. Not to go for every two-bit <coughs> failed experiment, two-bit failed project, projects that are supposed to cost $100 million, they end up costing $300 million. our government uh, excess and waste. We should be taking care of our own. Yeah. And we also take care of the rest of the world. Right. Praise God. Yeah. We had the biggest giving year ever in 2021. I'm not talking about the church, I'm talking about America. 
We gave more to charities and stuff in 2021 than ever in the history of our country and ever in the history of any nation in the world. We're the most giving place in the world. And we need to celebrate that who we are and what the good we do. We'll deal with the bad, but we need to celebrate the good. Good things are happening, church. God is still on the throne. And just as we sang, he's for you, not against you. He's for you. And I want to celebrate one other thing that I I was going to celebrate last week. And just for time's sake, we didn't have time. But you know what? A lot of people are down on celebrating Juneteenth. But Juneteenth marks a day in 1865 where one of our Union generals landed in Texas in Galveston and said, hey, to all the slaves who didn't know it, they didn't know they were free, said, you've been emancipated, you're free. And so they, they picked that day. Really, I like 1862 better. They call it the, the night of watching or waiting uh, because in 18, January 1st, 1862, uh, that day, that first Uh, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Lincoln. And man, we should celebrate. Just like we celebrate Roe versus Wade being defeated and our babies being set free, we should celebrate when slavery ended in our country. And I, I celebrate that too. I celebrate when we signed and said with 600,000 Northern Union soldiers' lives, gave their lives for freedom in our country, that everybody would have freedom to fight against racism. Man, we should celebrate that all the time. And I celebrate it today. Praise God. He is moving. And he breaks the walls of racism. He breaks down the walls of slavery. He sets people free. That's what he does. And that's what we do as a nation. And that's what we need to continue to do. It's our turn, it's our watch, it's our time to fight for freedom and to stand up for Jesus. And you were born at the perfect time in the perfect place, exactly where God wanted you, and he has a perfect plan for your life. I'm gonna read you uh, this scripture from Jeremiah 33, verse 27. He said, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? We're, we're talking about unlikely people in unlikely places, and we're going to tell you a story today, and then I'm going to give you four things God wants you to know, wants you to know about your life. But I'm going to tell you a story, but first I'm going to give you the odds that were stacked against this man. He grew up without a dad in his life, so he was twice as likely to not find stable employment after high school. He was 75% more likely to impregnate a girl as a teenager. If you're a woman, then you're 75% more likely to have a teenage pregnancy. He was 80% more likely to spend time in jail. Twice as likely to experience depression. Then, not only did he not have a dad in his life, but he was also in foster care. So you got to add all these statistics. Veterans and foster care kids share the exact same Percentage of PTSD. One out of two experience adverse uh, 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 emotions. 80% have notable mental health issues. It's not that our foster care parents don't love them and care for them. It's It's all the neglect and abuse that comes before that. Only 51% of kids that spend any time in foster care will graduate high school. They're four times more likely to commit a crime. 33% as adults will live on government assistance. And a big percentage of them will not be able to continue to have stable unemployment. 30 to 40% will have been arrested. Matthew Rael, he's our director, great Christian man, man, and he does a great job with with the system that he's been given to work with. But man, when these kids age out of foster care, they're 70% more likely uh, to be uh, homeless at some time in their life. 80% more likely to spend time in prison. 20% of all foster kid kids that age out um, almost immediately have no place to go. They're immediately homeless. This man that that's gonna tell you his story in his own words, he experienced not only not having a father, but he also experienced being in foster care. He's the most unlikely person to be a dad. 
but nothing is impossible for God. Here's Joe's story. My name is Joe Green. I'm married to Suki Green. My kids uh, are Ariel, Brian, and Jaron Green. Uh, we have one grandson. His name is Oscar Madrano. And uh, just happy, happy that everyone's together. My mom and dad divorced when I was about six years old. And, uh, you know, we just went through a pretty abusive childhood. I did, you know, and so did my sister along with me. By, by the time I was eight years old, you know, two years after that, it was in third grade. Uh, we were stripped away from our mother and uh, put into foster care. And it was just like one day, all of a sudden, come, come, come home from, you know, playing, and you know, there was cars there waiting for me, and it was human services. And so, my sister was already in the car, and I remember that, and she was just telling me, she goes, "Come on, brother, we gotta go." And I was like, well, "I don't know these people. Where are we going?" My father was still working here in Roswell. Uh, he didn't want me, so there was no way of me going to him, uh, he, he had DWIs after DWIs, and my dad never played a role in my life. I grew up without a father. We stayed in foster care for two years, me and my sister. Uh, my mother got better, um, and we were allowed to go back to live with her and stuff like that, but during, during my time in two years in foster care, it was, it was a struggle at first because I didn't, I didn't want to be there. And I didn't know what was abuse was or what, because I was just used to it. I didn't know I was being abused or neglected like that as a child, because you're just used to it. You just don't know. There was a time that I was gonna, that I thought that I was gonna repeat the same behavior as my father, and uh, not be around or anything, because to me that was what the norm was, and I felt, I felt alone. And I didn't feel, didn't feel that love, either from my mother nor my father. So at that time, I thought there was that moment when me and my wife we got into this huge, huge argument. So I left. I left. I went back to my mom's house, and, and I just kind of stayed in her apartment. And I was living there. And I remember, you know, we had my my daughter with us at that time. She was, I think she was two years old or something like that. So when we got into that huge argument, it was just, you know, everything just fell apart. And, and I remember just saying, I'm, that's it. I'm just gonna go ahead and, and be, be exactly how my dad was. Let my children grow up without a dad. And, and that's how I was thinking. And then one, one day Suki drove up with Ariel and she goes, your daughter keeps calling for you. And so that broke my that broke my heart, and and I said, I'm not gonna be like my father. I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna take care of my my children. That's when I realized like we need God in our life, and so we started coming over here to church on the move. When it was over here on across the street, as soon as that altar call was given, my hand rose, but I didn't get up. I didn't want to go up. So then after, after a while, me and Suki went together, and I remember we all rose our hand and we gave our, gave our life to Jesus. And I wasn't always perfect or anything like that, but it was, it was he's probably the main issue. What better father to teach me how to be a father, the Father God, so. Wow. statistically had everything stacked against him. Everything stacked. Even when he went home with his mom, you know, when he was talking about being in foster care and not understanding what abuse and neglect was, he wasn't abused or neglected in foster care. He was just in a normal home and he never, it was weird to him because neglect and abuse was as normal. So it was abnormal to be in a foster care situation where it wasn't that way. And it, and it really affects people. 
It, it impacts them. That's why some of these kids have PTSD and they struggle with these issues that only Jesus can heal. That only Jesus can heal. And you know, the answer was getting saved. The answer was giving his life, him and Sookie giving their lives to Jesus. And again, he said it hadn't been perfect, but man, it's been good. And he's, he's a great father. We, we won't have time today, but we have a uh, couple of short videos of his children talking. But we'll put it online. Go look at Go see what his kids say. It's really powerful. It's really powerful. And, and man, Joe's overcome so much. He's overcome every stat. Why? Because nothing's impossible for God. Amen. Nothing's impossible for our God. I wanted to tell his story because... Because he's such an unlikely father. Everything in his life said he won't be a good dad. But he's a really good dad. Everything in his life said no. Everything said no. You're going to do this and you're going to be like this. And he was even going that direction until God intervened. And when God intervenes, he changes everybody's direction. And now, if Joe doesn't do anything else in his entire life, he's sowing a seed into his children that you're not going to be neglected, you're not going to be abused, you're not going to be abandoned, you're never going to be in foster care, you're going to be at home, that mom and I are staying married together, and that he broke that curse. And if he wasn't created for any other reason, God used his, that weakness, that, that stuff that happened to him to break a curse off generations of his family. What a great thing for God to do. Right here in Roswell, New Mexico. Well, we see the opposite happen so many times that it does get perpetuated. It does continue to happen. It's generation after generation after generation. But not in Joe Green's family. I said not in Joe Green's family. And not in God's family. Because God takes unlikely people in unlikely places and does great things in their life. It's amazing what he does. Now, God wants us to know four things. And, uh, well, let me, let me give you this stat, too, about Joe's life. Joe not only is not unemployed, he's employed and owns in his own business. And statistically, 18% of all businesses fail in the first year, 47% after five years, and 65.5% after 10 years fail. Joe and Sookie have been going a lot longer than those years, successfully. He shouldn't have even, statistically, he shouldn't even been able to, con to have continued employment or to graduate high school, to do any of that. But God is greater. I said God is greater. Now he has a business to pass down to his children. It's amazing. But the four things he wants us to know, we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. And here's the number one thing he wants us to know. If you're taking notes, he uses the willing. Let me say it again. Number one is he uses the willing. He says right here in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him and whatever you do, he will lead you wherever you go. He's saying trust. Trust is a choice. Trust says, I am willing, no matter what's happening in my life, I'm willing to trust you, God. I'm putting my trust in you, not in my own opinions, not in what I see, in you, in what you said, what you promised, what you said you'll do. I'm going to trust you. It's a choice. I love this. Go with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Luke chapter 1. Spoken by Mary, the mother of Jesus, it's one of my favorite scriptures about willingness. She did something that was just phenomenal. So... The angel says in verse uh, 3, not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible for God. Because she's like, how is it possible I'm a virgin going to have a baby? That's impossible. But the angel says, well, it's impossible to you, but it's not impossible to God. And here's her response. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. She's like, this is so cool. This is cool what God has promised and what God has said. Then she said this, I will be a mother for the Lord. You notice the word will? I will be. She's willing. She said, as his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. She basically said, I am willing. 
I have nothing else to offer. I'm 14, 15 years old. I don't come from a affluent family. I have, I have nothing else to offer. But if you want my womb, if you want my body, if you want me to be the mother of the Lord, then I, I, and, and take my virginity. Take my virginity, Lord, and use that. Use my virginity on your behalf because Jesus had to be fully man, but he also had to be holy. So he was born of a virgin. He had to also be fully God. So she couldn't know a man. She couldn't know a man to have a baby. She had to be a virgin and have a baby birthed by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. And she, she gave what she had. She said, I, I give you my willingness. I'm willing. Be it done unto me according to what you said. Just willing. Great things happen when we're just willing. God doesn't pick always the most talented. I'm going to tell you that right now. I know that for a fact in my own life. He doesn't pick the most talented. He doesn't always pick the smartest or the prettiest or the most handsome or the strongest. Matter of fact, he just picks the willing. And if you have talent, praise God. If you don't, well, we're going to talk about that too. What he does with the willing. He does special things with the willing. I love it. Mary's not a princess in, in the world's eyes, but she's a princess in God's eyes. Isn't that amazing? What God sees that we don't see. She's just a common girl. Just a common girl. But she took her life and said, God, I'm willing. And now she's not common. We know her and we'll know her forever. She'll be forever written in the word. Amen? Amen. For birthing Jesus Christ the Lord. I can't imagine the responsibility. I know now why she freaked out. Why she freaked out when she couldn't find him when he was 12. It's like, I, I didn't just lose a child, I lost God's child. I mean, that's amazing, a lot of responsibility, right? Here's number two. God works in, 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 I in, and through our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'll turn with me there, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, we established everything by the word. I said, we established everything by the word. He wants every person to know this. You'll be without excuse if you don't fulfill the will of God for your life because he's letting you know what it takes. Number one, you have to say, I'm willing to trust you, God. No matter what, I trust you. Number two, he works within our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 uh, says this. Make sure I'm, in the, I'm on the right verse here. He said, but he answered me. My grace is always more than enough. Everybody say, more than enough. Say, God is, God is more, than more than enough. He said, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness. He's not saying, I'll celebrate bad things happening to me. What he's celebrating is, is that he realizes he's not enough, but that God is more than enough. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. Otherwise, when I say within myself, I can't do it on my own. When I finally humble myself and say, I can't accomplish this on my own. I can't have a great marriage without God. I can't raise kids without God. I can't do this without God. I can't accomplish this without God. I can't do this without God. When I recognize that I'm incapable of doing this on my own, that's when God's strength is mighty. Why? He just said it, because that's when I lean in on God. That's when I lean on God and say, God, I need you to move. That's when his strength is made even greater. That's how he works in and through our weaknesses. He said in James 4, 7, he said this. He said, I, I pour out more and more grace upon the humble, those that are teachable. Those that are teachable. Those that realize, I need God to do this. I need God to accomplish this. To do it right, to do it well, to do it great, I need God. I can't do it that way on my own. My willpower is not strong enough. My personality is not, my intellect is not enough. My abilities are not enough. But with God, I'm more than enough. Amen. Amen. That's what he's saying. That we lean on, he said, I pour out more and more my favor, my unmerited favor. I pour out more and more my favor on those that are humble and teachable and realize they need me, need God. And he said, but I resist the proud that say, oh, I don't need God. I'll do it on my own. Those people constantly fail. And most of the time, they don't get back up. They're the ones who give up on their marriage, give up on their kids, give up on life, give up on their job, give up, give up on their calling. 
They're the ones that quit. But those who know God can't quit. Because God said his spirit will cause you to rise again and again and again and again. No matter how many times you fall, he'll raise you back up and help you finish what God started in your life. That's who God is. God works within our weakness. Number three. Oh, man, I've said this over and over again. I'm going to keep saying it. It's never too early and never too late. David was 12 or 13 when he killed Goliath and became a prince in the king's house. And he was younger than that when he was anointed to be the king. He was younger than that. He was younger than that when he killed a lion and a bear. God was already teaching him and using him. Mary was 14 or 15 when she got pregnant with Jesus. Moses was 80. Abraham was 75 when he finally heard. When he met God, he was 75. He met God at 75 years old. God saved him. And then at 100, God fulfilled the promise. He started doing what God created him to do at 100. His wife Sarah was 65 when they left, when they started their journey. And she was 90 years old when she finally got pregnant. Never too late. She got pregnant at 90. Praise me. Only God can do stuff like that. And you know what? She wasn't like, oh, no. She was like, she'd waited 90 years. She, she'd wanted to be a mom and be pregnant all her life. It was a blessing. She, she laughed. With, she celebrated. She laughed with joy. She had joy. She wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm 90 and pregnant. No, she's like, wow, I'm 90 and I'm pregnant. This is awesome. <laughs> What's the desire of your heart? She was 90. Noah was 500 years old. 500 years old when he was building the ark. All the apostles, all of them were under 21 except Peter. He was the only one over 21 years of age. How do we know that? Well, because when Peter talked to Jesus about paying taxes, uh, Jesus said, get taxes for you and me, Pete, because you had to be over 21. Yet, to, you, only after 21 years of age did you have to pay the temple tax. He said, get taxes just for you and me, Peter. We're the only ones over 21. So that means all the rest of the apostles were under that. It's 20s, it's 30s, it's 40s, it's 50s, it's 100, it's 500. You're never, you're 12, it's 10. I don't know how old Eli, when he was a, a little baby, heard the voice of the Lord speaking to him when he was a kid. He was just a kid, and he was dedicated to the Lord. Man, guys, listen, you're never too young and never too old to fulfill the will of God for your life, Amen. to do great things that he's called you to do. I want to share this with you. We talked about it, men's prayer. We are not waiting on God to answer our prayers most of the time. God is waiting on us to receive the answer, to be prepared to receive the answer. So many people forsake preparation. I know when God was preparing me for the ministry, there were days I forsook it. I would sit in my office in business and say, God, if I put this much energy and time in your kingdom, how much more could I be doing for you other than sitting in this office or sitting behind this desk? And I, God would speak to me and say, keep doing what you're doing and do it well. And I would forsake the preparation process. Now, oh man, I am so grateful that he waited, that he taught me all I needed to know. I was in business for over 15 years, and every one of those lessons I learned, I use today. Every one of them. Not just lessons, but skill, knowledge, information. I use it all. It's amazing. I look back and go, thank you, God, for the preparation that you took me through the process to, that when my prayers were answered, I was able to handle it. And let me say something else preparation does. Preparation gives you confidence. I used the scripture in men's prayer yesterday of Esther chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where she took a year, a whole year, to have one meeting with the king. It was a whole year of preparation. Read it. A whole year of preparation to have one meeting with the king. And she saved the whole nation. But she prepared. What does preparation do for you? It gives you confidence. Man, I've taken tests in high school I didn't study for. Man, you know, I'm looking in the book right before I get in there. And in high school, I was trying to peek over. You know, 
hey man, what you got on that way? What you get for number 12? You know, because I wasn't prepared. But times I did prepare, I walked in there confident like, man, I'm going to ace this. I'm going to do well here. Com- preparation gives you a confidence that when answers to prayers come, you can walk in that. You can not only walk in the victory of it, you can sustain the victory. Why? Because you prepared. I remember Julie and I, we prepared for marriage, man. We, when we got in marriage and we were struggling, we started reading books and studying. We sought counsel. We did all kinds of stuff to get our marriage stronger. We did. Now we've taught thousands of married couples. But we had to learn ourselves. When we, got, when we had children, we bought books on children, different, different children, different needs, on personalities. And we started studying. We studied. We took Lamaze classes twice during the pregnancy process. And we took reminders to have the other, the other three. That's why I'm an expert on the hee-hee-hoo-hoos. You don't know what that is, it's breathing. You know, and Julie and I, I coached her right through it, man. That pregnancy, that delivery was so easy for me. I just, yeah, just push them right out, baby. I breathed right through it, man. I, I, I didn't feel any pain. And, man, that Lamaze works, worked for me. <laughs> but you ask her, you know I'm joking, but you ask her and she'll tell you I helped her. I helped her a lot, man, and, I, and it helped a lot. It, that whole process, that whole mindset, you know, having to stick your hand in freezing water and breathe through the pain, and man, it was all preparation, and it gave Julia confidence in me too. And, and, you know, and we had five natural deliveries. She had five natural deliveries. And it's because we had a confidence. We prepared. We prepared really well. Preparation gives you confidence. And I remember being in there uh, one time, she, I think it was Tucker here in, in Roswell being born, and there was a lady next door, she wasn't prepared, man, I can tell you, she was screaming, bloody, mar- standing, on, she was actually, the nurse said, I said, man, is she okay, do I need to go pray for her? She goes, oh, I don't, I don't know if she'll accept any prayer. She was standing on top of the bed screaming, <laughs> man, just going crazy, and I could tell this was a young person that, took no, that didn't prepare for anything, and then mentally just got whooped, just, it just... It just worked her hard because she wasn't prepared mentally for pain or for, you know, having to push and, you know, just didn't prepare. Man, guys, whether it's birthing a baby or any, birthing any answer that, that you're, any prayer that you're, you, there's a process you need to go through and you need to allow God to take you through that process. I like what uh, Brother Phil said to the men yesterday when I taught on this. He said, the people want the gift without the giving. Everybody wants the blessings of God, but they don't want to get to give. But you can't get the gift without the giving. Everybody wants the resurrection without the crucifixion. They want to go to heaven and they want the life that Jesus offers in this life. But they don't want to have to go through the crucifixion of dying to yourself to live for God. Listen, there's always a process you have to go through to get answers to prayer. But it's never too late, never too early. I'm going to share this with you before we get to point four and end this service. Don't ever compare your timing to someone else's timing. A lot of people compare. Like, man, they prayed and, man, it happened right then. And pastor laid hands on them and they got healed. And this happened and they got pregnant and this this answer came and their marriage was better immediately. And this happened and this happened. And, man, these doors opened for them. Don't you ever compare your process to someone else's process. You're a unique individual. We're all unique and special in God's eyes. And he has a process particularly for you. So don't think you're waiting on God as much as he's waiting on you. And and the more you fight against God, the more you fight against the process he's taking you through to get you where he wants to take you, to answer those prayers, the further you kick the can of answer that prayer, you kick that down the road. You push it further and further out in front of you. And many people will die without ever receiving those answers that God wants to answer because they weren't willing to go through the process. And they didn't go through the process with any joy. And they didn't go through the process with any peace. They fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it. And never fully experience God's God's will for your life. Don't fight it. Welcome today. Celebrate today. Enjoy today. Do your best today. And watch what God does. Because it's never too early and never too late. Number four, the last one is we all have something. 
So you're in 2 Corinthians right there. Uh, go with me to chapter in 12. Go, to me, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Last verse. Last thing. Number four is we all have something. We all have something. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12 says this. For if the intention and desire are there, otherwise if the willingness is there, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? This is one of the keys. God wants you to know. It's not what you don't have that he wants from you. It's what you do have. Oh, come on now. Well, I don't, I'm not beautiful. I'm not smart. I'm not this. I'm not. No, he doesn't care about the I'm nots. He wants to know what you have. David, this is crazy. King David, David of the Bible, all he had was a slingshot. That's what he had. And he offered that to God. Hey, man, God, I got a slingshot. Okay, that's enough. I can use slingshot. Moses, all he had was a staff. He walked out and split the Red Sea, and he just went. Raised his staff. He offered God what he had in his hand. He was a shepherd. He took that staff everywhere he went. That's the staff he threw down that turned into a snake and ate up all the Pharaoh's snakes. He had a staff, and that's, that turned back into a staff. He picked it back up. He had a staff. He said, God, I got a staff. He said, that's enough. I got a slingshot. That's enough. Mary said, I got a, I got a virgin body. That's enough. God said, who will I send? And Eli said, send me. I'll go. God said, that's enough. He's willing. That's enough. Come on. Peter had passion in a big mouth. That was enough. I understand. You have passion in a big mouth. That's enough if you dedicate it to God. That's enough. Whatever you have is enough. What you got is enough. Quit thinking about what you don't have. Think about what you do have. And when you dedicate that to God, he just said, that's enough. Quit worrying about what you don't have. Dedicate to God what you do have and see what he does with it. That'll be enough. That'll be enough for a God who's more than enough to do something special in your life. Listen, you're going to be without excuse after today. You know the things you need to do in order to fulfill God's will for your life and to see him move and to begin to answer prayers and taking you through a process to answer your prayers and to, and to do things that, man, that are unlikely. <laughs> you're, you're, you're an unlikely person. Renee, and, and Renee teaches on surrendering the secret. She's an unlikely person to teach about that because she's had an abortion. But yeah, God took that and now she teaches people how to be healed from abortion. That's an unlikely person in an unlikely place. And she works at the Pregnancy Resource Center. Come on now. God's so cool. He's so cool how he turns things around. How he turns things around. We need to celebrate how good he is, how great he is, and what he wants to do in each one of our lives if we just will trust him and say, God, according to Romans 12:1, man, I give you my whole life as an act of worship. You got it. It's all yours. Take, take it all. Take, just, it's all you. It's all yours. Do what you want to do with it. You'll be amazed what God will do. I said you'll be amazed. Listen, every eye closed. Oh, man, here and online, man, uh, wow. God loves you. Those that are listening online to find something negative, listen, you, you can find whatever you want, but I want you to know this. God loves you. He wants to save your life. You know it. I knew it when I was like you. I knew I, there was something wrong with me. I knew there was something missing. I knew that, man, I was being controlled by sin and negative, bad habits and bad thinking. And my, I wasn't happy at all. I had to get drunk and high to feel anything. Or to mask my real feelings. It's 
why Satan's worked so hard to legalize marijuana so he can keep people high. So they don't have to ever, so they don't, they don't deal ever with the real issues in their life. He wants to hold you back. God wants to set you free. Satan wants to bury you. God wants to let you run. Satan wants to kill you, destroy you, steal from you. God wants to give you life in an abundant life. Satan wants you to live under the curse. God wants you to live under the blessing. Satan wants to drag you to hell with him and his angels. God wants to open up the gates of heaven where you live forever. Satan wants you to live a selfish life the way he does. God wants you to see how big, a, how unselfish he is and that he gave his own begotten son. Gave his life that we might live. He wants to teach you how to live a life like that here where you're giving your life away because that's when you really experience the gift of life. So whether you're online or here, man, and this, this is ringing true that God's dealing with you and saying, I want to save your life from yourself, from yourself. He saved me from myself, my own selfishness, my sin, not someone else's, mine. He wants to save you from yourself. Living a selfish life ends in Nothing but misery and death. Ask the rich and famous who are destroying their lives daily. God wants to save you. He loves you. We were just like you. That's why we, that's why we care about you. Because we've been there, done that. Probably nothing, no sin that you've committed that someone else in this room hadn't committed. No wrong that's been done to you that that wrong hadn't been done to someone else in this room. Who's overcome it because of the love of God? But here's the deal. You have to be willing to say, God, my life's not, I don't want my life. I, I, I didn't want my life. I wanted a God, the life God had for me. I'm so grateful for it. Like that song says, on my best day, I'm a child of God. And on my worst day, I'm a child of God. That's your identity. That's the identity he wants you to have. That's the identity I have. He wants you to know who you are, whose you are. If you want to pray and get right with God, for the first time, we want to pray with you right now. For the first time, you're sincere and say, man, my life's not my own anymore. I give my life to God. I want the life he has for me. We can pray for that right now. Or maybe you've, you've known him and you ran away from him. You rebelled. I did that multiple times. That's why I always pray for people the next time. Because I needed next time prayers. But I want to encourage you, run to God right now, not away from him. So whether it's your first time or your next time, let's pray right now. I'm going to ask you online, send us a message. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Send it now. Send it. Post it right now. You need to say it publicly. I'm getting right with God. Right. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're in the Philippines. I don't care if you're in California. I don't care if you're right here in Roswell, right down the street. If you're watching on t- today on Sunday live or you're watching on Wednesday, this is, this, is, this is what you need to do. Send a message publicly. I am getting right with God for the first time or the next time right now. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and say, I'm going to get right with God right now. And then put it down. And we're all going to pray right where we're at. Right where you're seated, right where you're at online, we're going to pray. We're going to lead you in a prayer, just like someone led me.
Just like someone led all the other people you see around you. Led Joe and Sookie Green and their family. What God has for you is more than enough. More than enough. So if that's you online, send the message in this room. On the count of three, raise your hand and put it down. One, two, three, just put your hand up and say, that's me, I'm gonna get right. Thank you all over this room. That's awesome, that's awesome. Thank you, I see all those hands. Let's pray, let's pray with those online, those in the room right now. Let's all pray together. Say this, say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe you love me, you love us. And you sent Jesus to die for my sins. You raised him from the dead to prove he's the Messiah. He's our Savior, our rescuer. And I believe that too. And because I believe all of that, I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I receive the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me, to teach me the way, the truth, and about the life you want me to live for you. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, and I receive your full forgiveness right now. And by choice, not by emotion or feelings, I choose to forgive those who have hurt me. I let it all go and walk in your freedom. Teach me now how to live the life, the plan that you have for me. In Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. We have a lot to celebrate about. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.